0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink but without the vowels, so S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. (laughs) What's up, guys? Third and uh, I guess you can call it final uh, opponent preview for the NFC North because uh, the, the next and final episode of the 2022 opponent preview series, we look inward at ourselves, at, the beloved, at our beloved Chicago Bears, but this one being the final actual opponent of the opponent preview series and the Green Bay Packers and of course our great friend Evan Weston from Acme Packing Company is here to help us uh, preview these 2022 Packers. Very interesting season uh, up ahead you know the packers making some changes and and uh you know keeping Aaron Rodgers but trading away uh Devontae Adams uh letting Zadarius Smith go who they didn't really didn't miss last year he was injured uh most of the season but you know jettisoning a, you know a big part of your defense uh away uh who ended up joining a rival in Minnesota uh, to, you know so that could possibly come back to uh to hurt them uh and what have you but um you know the level of success that uh, they have had in 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 Green Bay, especially since Matt Lafleur has uh, come to town, has been uh, remarkable. You know, three his he's been head coach three seasons. The worst they've done is thirteen wins. You know, thirteen and three the first two years, and then thirteen and four uh you know last season and and that fourth loss they were phoning it in uh, at the end of the year against Detroit so you know they probably could have easily won that game had they uh, decided to show up for it and not rest for the uh for the playoffs but um you know it's it's they they've made some changes uh this year they lost some coaching uh staff uh, members they lost their uh Their quarterback coach, who was our new O.C. in Luke Getze. Uh, They lost uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who's the new head coach of the uh, Denver Broncos. Uh, So they've, you know, got some new guys in to replace them. Uh, They lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling to free agency in in Kansas City. Um, You know, I think maybe the Bears were kind of looking at him as well and, uh, and everything. But it's just a lot of changes going on in Green Bay uh a, a a rough off season until they get to the draft and then the draft is where they kind of seem to turn the off season around but you know nobody wins the uh nobody wins Super Bowl in uh in April in May. You know, they they, they win it going through the season and, and getting to the Super Bowl in February and winning the damn thing uh there. And unfortunately for Green Bay, that is the hurdle they haven't been able to cross you know winning the division maybe even getting through the wild card and the divisional round but uh you know then getting to the NFC championship game but ever since they beat us in the in the NFC championship game back in 2010 to go to and win the Super Bowl uh Super Bowl 45 that's a hurdle that they haven't been able to uh you know clear even with the you know one of the best if not the best active quarterback in the league uh in Aaron Rodgers so um We'll see what the uh, what the Packers look like. They've uh, you know they're going to have a couple of new receivers in there. They drafted Christian Watson. They signed Sammy Watkins uh, and everything. So no Devonte Adams. It's a big void to fill, and uh, they'll see if uh, Lafleur and, and Aaron Rodgers and company can do it. And um, you know Evan's going to help talk us through it. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into it. This is the 2022 Green Bay Packer preview episode of the Bearstalk Underground. So let's get to it. The I hear the dial tone out loud I our last stop in our opponent preview series takes us to Lambeau uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, home of the Green Bay Packers. And as usual, that means we have to have our good friend, Uh, Evan Western back on the show despite his allegiances he is one of my favorite guests Evan welcome back man
1: thanks always uh, good to get this in before training camp starts really you know it kind of it kind of feels like it's it's winding up towards football season whenever we get to talk over the summer so it's it's always a pleasure
0: it's become an annual tradition because especially with with you and and uh, and uh, and Jeremy Reisman and Chris Gates because uh, I started doing interviews for the show back in 2015, and you guys were among my first guests and still on the show. I mean, it just so happens that you know, my three favorite guests are the guys A that I've been talking to from the very beginning, and B, also the guys I get to talk to twice a year because they're in division. <laughs> so uh, that one worked out nice for me as far as I'm concerned. so uh, good to have you uh, back. and um, an interesting off season uh for you guys um we'll get to that here uh in just a minute including what uh your quarterback dropped on all of us yesterday because uh, we're, we're talking today is the 7th of july and of course aaron Rodgers dropped his uh his anthology of a tattoo uh yesterday <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk briefly about that we won't get to because we could probably do an episode just on the tattoo oh, yeah. and what, what it makes you think and what it means and all the rest of that, but uh, yeah, we won't get it. <laughs> so, well, let's briefly um, recap uh, 2021 because we haven't had a chance to talk for a while. Um, not since uh, prior the to the Sunday night game in week 14, which was mm-hmm. interesting to say the least, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, you guys had one of those week one, you know, freak things happen. Uh, number one your your game gets moved to Jacksonville because uh Louisiana was underwater again, and yeah. uh so you you go off to Jacksonville and uh the saints hand it to you guys thirty eight to three and just knee jerk reaction what were your thoughts about that were, were you thinking like okay it 's week one, no need to panic or like oh God, are we in trouble yeah there was there was a lot of
1: panic in the Packers fan base after that one um I, I can't tell you the last time that Rodgers got benched uh, or got pulled in in a blowout loss. Um, that doesn't it just doesn't happen. And so, I, I think there was definitely a an element of of panic there. But you know, at the same time, this is a team that had won thirteen games back to back seasons, was coming off an NFC Championship game appearance, and um, fundamentally, you know, that all the pieces were still there on offense, right? right? so i i think it was just a you know we need to settle in we need to figure out what this team really is and and you know looking ahead to week two detroit okay coming into green bay that should be a win and then it was really that san francisco game in week three mm-hmm. uh... to, to california that um i think Packers fans had circled as you know this is going to be the you know the test of you know is this team actually going to be good again or are we in for you know something unpleasant the rest of the year and and that game was uh was a huge huge morale boost for for the team for the fan base um you know the way they won it with uh that that you know, last thirty second drive. Right. Uh, and you know, Crosby hitting a fifty yarder to to win the game at at the buzzer. Um and winning in San Francisco against a, a fully healthy 49ers team, uh, which has really had the the Packers number the past couple of years. That was the the turning point when everybody was was kind of like, okay, yep, we're that was a fluke in week one. We can write that off as as a weird week one Florida thing and uh, get back to um, you know, feeling good about this team, and and that was, you know, that's exactly what happened, right? They they didn't lose again until Rogers got COVID, and Jordan Love had to come in against Kansas City, right? Um, you know, got got off to a seven game winning streak there the first half of the season, and um, but it was an interesting
0: first couple of months mm-hmm. for you guys because I remember talking to you prior to Week Six when you're when uh, you made the trip to to Soldier Field. It's like okay you, you have that that uh, you know that week 1 thing that happened I mean hell even the Bills lost to Pittsburgh at home uh, to start the year which had some people scratches like okay is this is this the real thing or is this one of those week 1 things and it turned yep. out to be a week 1 thing week 2 comes around and at halftime you're losing to the Lions and it takes a second half uh, comeback to win that one you have this down to the wire thing with the 49ers Um, the Steelers game went relatively well, but then the week after you have the overtime, uh, let's like, uh, no, you win, no, you win, no, you win, no, you win win. with the, with you and the Bengals, you know, trading missed field goals in the overtime period there. And then finally Crosby put one through on your way to Chicago. So I remember asking you, it's like, you guys are four and one, but you know, you're like a hair away from being like a two and three football team. right now it's like how are you guys feeling about it you know because it's just you know luck doesn't work your way you're a losing football team coming into this game and you need a win against the Bears as opposed to
1: you know expecting one right well and and through those first six weeks of the season the Packers didn't get a a stop in the red zone too so the defense was really figuring out out what it was going to be under Joe Barry the new coordinator uh, at the first part of last year um I think they did a pretty good job for the most part figuring it out down the stretch. Uh, they, there was a really good stretch of, of football from this defense in the middle part of the season, and not coincidentally, it was around the time that uh, that they got Russell Douglas in to to uh, to help fill in for the absence of Jair Alexander. Sure, um, man, what a what a revelation he was picking him up off the the Cardinals practice squad and you know a couple of pick sixes and a game ceiling interception against his old team and right you know. Get, gets himself a, a big three-year contract to to stick around in Green Bay, so um, yeah, the the defense was was really the big question mark those those first handful of weeks, and then obviously the the special teams issues that. Uh reared their head in Cincinnati and, and would be a, a recurring theme throughout the the rest of the season. But yeah, there was definitely still some some trepidation there. Um again, that 49ers game was big and then the again, the Cardinals game going down to Arizona with a depleted roster and uh you know, pulling out a win in Arizona against an unbeaten Cardinals team. Uh, in week eight, that was that was the other real big one in that first half of the season.
0: What a weird team the Cardinals were <laughs> last year. Oh yeah, I mean this was a team that was what eight and one or something like that on the road, but like three and six, three and five uh, at home uh, last yeah. year. Uh, not to mention uh, it's turning into an annual thing that they get off to a blazing hot start and then just piss it all away in the second half of the uh, in the second half of the year. I mean that was a game. I mean, uh, just I mean, you had to even think as a Packer fan, going it's like, well, we're not winning this one
1: because oh, yeah. no, no it was Adams, like Devontae no Adams was
0: gone. You were missing yeah. like four other guys because of COVID. Half the coaching staff, you know, the the, the trainers yeah. weren't showing up because they were all sick. And I mean, it was just like, there's no way on a short week on the road, and you go out there and you win the game anyway. It's like Jesus Christ, what is it going to take?
1: <laughs> well, it took like Rodgers getting COVID the next week. There you week. go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So that, that, and then that, that threw a whole different wrench into, you know, into this team and the storylines around it all all season. And because that was when we had the whole, you know, the the whole issue about, well, you know, is he vaccinated? Is he not vaccinated? All that, all that crap. Um, and, and that, you know, really put a, a weird, uh, cloud over the whole rest of the season, to be honest with you, at least through, uh, through to the end of the regular season. Yeah. Um, with, with, you know, what what was what was going on there with him and and then you start getting into the playoffs and you know if if he somehow tests positive again you know what, what are they going to do about the um the covid protocols and things and um I I would say that it's a coincidence that the uh the NFL lifted all the the protocols for vaccinated and unvaccinated players right around the start of the playoffs but. I don't know about that, but uh, ended up not being an issue anyway. Because well, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because it was just one of those.
0: You, you guys just kept finding ways uh, to win football games. You 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 come up short against Kansas City in in a game that even without Rogers and despite the, you know the you know I, I guess you even though it was year two even though the rookie mistakes of of Jordan Love you only lost thirteen to seven at Kansas City.
1: Um, yeah, yeah when, that was probably the defense's finest moment last right. season. Was was controlling that Chiefs defense, or that Chiefs offense, um, and like you said, holding them to thirteen points. And I think f- three or six of that came off of uh you know special teams mistakes and turnovers again, right? So right. really, that defense was responsible for about you know seven or ten points.
0: Yeah, shut out Russell Wilson's return uh, to the Seahawks the week after. I mean, the guy came back from a broken thumb in like four days. I don't know what the hell he was <laughs> thinking, but. Uh, you know, and he looked like it when he played against you guys. It's just yeah, like you saw that the Seahawks were really trying because Russell Wilson was back, but they just couldn't make it happen. Ended up getting goose egged out there uh, in Lambeau. Uh, you drop a close one to Minnesota and then, but, but win a rematch against the uh, Rams the week before. Then you go on the bye. Then the Sunday night game happens. And, <laughs> uh, you know, the Bears come into town. It's, you know, it's Lambo it's, it's Sunday Night Football, which is legally mandated by the NFL now that yep. this any game taking place in Lambo between the Bears and the Packers is on prime time. That's just, that's just it. Yep. 20, 2019 playing at noon in Lambo is an aberration. And that person who put that schedule out was fired. So yeah. anytime the Bears and Packers get together, it's legally mandated to be on prime time. And for a minute there, It really looked like it was going to be the Bears' night, you know, because special teams was such an issue. I mean, if there was a game where it really put the special teams, you know, gaffes or problems for the Packers on Front Street, it was that game. Their inability to stop anybody who was returning the football. The Bears had excellent field position, like 80% of the night, and then giving up the punt return. Uh, to Jakeem Grant when you had him dead to rights inside his own five. Like, who returns the ball from inside the five yard line on a punt yep. return? Well, Jakeem Grant did 97 yards later, it's a touchdown uh, and things like that. But again, the Bears being the Bears decided to take their foot off the gas just before halftime, allow that one touchdown to, you know, to Devontae Adams uh, on that one to to narrow the gap. And then the second half was all Green Bay.
1: Yep. Yeah, that it was funny because the the, the special teams found a, a different way to blow things every week. That was the biggest issue, right? In this game it was the coverage units that were just a complete mess. Yeah. Um but well, then I, mean, I remember you know,
0: when uh, yeah. when they actually when they tackled somebody on a kickoff return that the crowd went nuts. Yep. You know, yeah. like oh my god, they flipped out. <laughs> hey, we stopped. He didn't score. We're great, you know. It was it was the funniest thing that you know, when, when they tackled the kick returner, the crowd had like a standing ovation for the yeah. special teams unit. Like that's like, how bad it was.
1: But with you know, with that unit it was you know, it was like the coordinators playing whack a mole, right? You you finally you know, the next game they kinda of figure out the coverage issues a little bit, but then now you've got uh you know, field goal block. Um, you know, blocking issues, and you, you you're getting kicks blocked and things, and it was all it just always felt like it was a different issue every game, and they could never you know figure out what the what the hell was going on on that side of the ball, and um, you know that that led to being a one and done season for for Drayton as the special teams coordinator.
0: Right. So you 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 get the win against the Bears, you eke one out against the uh, Ravens, you beat the Browns, and um, uh, then the Vikings on Sunday Night Football, week 17, and then rest everybody week 18 and uh, let one go for the Lions to finish 13-4. and So you got your 13, you decided to call it a day after that. Like, hey, third year in a row, 13 wins. Ah, let the Lions Mm -hmm. have this one. If they've won two games so far, let them have number three. So we go to the divisional round. Green Bay is the one and only team in the NFC that had to buy. The 49ers uh, come to town, and once again... (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's an early exit uh, for Green Bay. I can't tell you that I hated it, Evan. I really didn't. I wouldn't um, expect you to. <laughs> especially with the guy that that just, that put it through the uprights there at the end. But it was really, as a football fan, and I'm sure you can feel this a thousand times amplified, it was frustrating watching Green Bay out there that day. for them oh, yeah. to, to run it right down the field, opening drive, seven points on the board. I'm like, okay, well, this is how this is going to go. And then you don't see the end zone again for the rest of the game. Uh, you only managed 10 points, and it, special teams was your undoing. You had the, yep. the field goal from Robbie Gold, uh, but not to mention the blocked pick six or kick six, if you will, uh, prior mm-hmm. that really blew the whole thing wide open. Because, again, the defense was amazing. But, you know, the difference in the game was that blocked punt because that was the seven. That was the only touchdown the, the 49ers scored in the whole game.
1: Yeah, yeah, the defense was responsible, again, for for six points, and one of those came off of a great field position, I think, off a, a blocked field goal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really felt like the whole tenor of that game changed in the middle of the first quarter when, like you said, the Packers drove straight down the field, scored a touchdown with ease. Um, they're driving down again after getting a stop, and um, yeah, they're on the, the 49ers side of the 50. And Mercedes Lewis, of all people, coughs up a football and and loses a fumble and the the 49ers pounce on it and after that moment the offense just was looked completely out of sync um, Rodgers looked like he was totally off I don't know if he was pressing I don't know you know what in the world was going on there but the whole offense just completely fell apart after that fumble on that second drive and and basically could do absolutely nothing and 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 again, like you said, the defense was incredible in that game. Um, tell you what, R- Rashawn Gary was amazing in that game, and he is finally starting to get a little bit of hype for the great season he had last year. Um, so keep, keep an eye on him, you know, for a real big breakout this this season. But and, and again, what do you what more do you say about the special teams other than you know that that is the Reason, even with the offensive struggles that, uh, the Packers didn't go to the NFC championship game. And, and this one's so frustrating to me too, because we all like everybody on, on staff at Acme packing company was like, we want anybody but the 49ers coming in for, for this game. And Mike McCarthy screws us over again, them for terrible you guys, clock man. management <laughs> in the, the wild Card game against San Francisco. Um, you know stealing stealing a chance to uh, for Dallas to win that game. Um yeah, I I that that one that one hurts and and to then see that the Rams would, you know, beat Tampa, go on to the NFC Championship game um having the you know the Packers having beaten the Rams at Lambeau a couple weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Um I the Rams I'm the 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 Rams come to Green Bay. The Packers are making it to the Super Bowl. I I fully stand by that. I fully believe that. Um, there there was nothing about that team that that really scared me. That I didn't think the Packers could match up well with. It's it's just there's something weird about Shanahan and uh, the way he. I, I don't know, and, and I can't even really say that it's Shanahan in that game, right? I mean, it was it was self inflicted wounds on on. Offense and on yeah. special teams that handed them that game. So, um, you know, what are you what are you gonna do? And then, yeah, we go into the off season, and now it's the Willie Won'ty game with Rogers again. Right.
0: <laughs> I was just about to say then. Then the drama really began. It's like you guys making uh, an unceremonious unceremonious exit in the in the divisional uh, round, which was one of probably one of the best weekends of football I've ever seen
1: in my life with. Uh, like all four of those games yeah. that weekend were outstanding. So, so I got to tell you, I I was actually on vacation in Hawaii that weekend, and oh, I'm boy. I'm sitting here like we, we were we were going out from because uh, the Packers had the night game, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So at that point, it was you know it it kicks off early afternoon like Hawaii time. Um, we're on the Big Island. We're going out for some to do like sunset photos and stuff because we do some amateur photography and so i watched the first like quarter in the hotel room and then i pulled it up on my phone the whole rest of the time Mm. and here we are sitting on this you know gorgeous beach um on the west coast of the big island of hawaii or east coast of the big island of hawaii and i'm just i'm just miserable yeah watching this all this whole thing play out in the fourth fourth quarter uh of that game and just watching it slip away um I had to, I literally when the when the punt got blocked and recovered for a touchdown I I think I walked about a half a mile down the beach from my fiance and from the people we were with and I just I just needed to get away from humanity for about a half an hour before, okay. before I could come back. I, and talk I got
0: I got to ask Evan whose whose idea was the trip
1: that particular weekend. Well, so it was based around a uh, a photography workshop that we were doing. Uh, so it was it was a set schedule and. Look, the 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 guy who ran the workshop was also a Packers fan, was also from Wisconsin. So okay. we were we were spending most of the most of that afternoon, you know, keeping each other apprised and, and, of what was going on. Drinking
0: heavily afterward, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, that was
1: uh, yeah, that was a rough one. So yeah,
0: so like you said, we we move into the the off season where things really get interesting with the uh, Rogers saga because it's you know half it. Half of it's he's going to retire. The other half, will he sign an extension, or can the Packers afford him, or will they move the necessary mountains like the Rams do to just magically create cap space or somehow fit these mega contracts under the salary cap uh, and whatnot. And um, to go along with the madness that was March for the NFL. I mean, it was just like there was this amazing oh, yeah. NCAA tournament taking place, and that was completely overshadowed by free agency and the beginning of the off season of the new calendar year for the NFL with the, all of the crazy quarterback trades. Aaron Rodgers, you know, finally answers our question, signs a $50 million a year contract with the Packers, only to have like 24 hours. They trade his favorite weapon to, to the Raiders. I mean... Talk about a roller coaster for you guys. Yes, we're keeping wow. Rodgers, but what the hell, devontae has gone.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was a shock because everybody assumed when when the news broke about Rodgers that okay, cool. We are, you know, we're good, the band's coming back together for you know, for the real last dance in in 22. And then yeah, then the other shoe drops and and Adams Adams is gone and and here we are you know, left wondering who the hell is going to catch footballs from Rogers this season. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I mean, so, so much of that, the, the stuff Adams, um, there's a lot of, there, there's, there's a lot of reality to the idea that he wanted to play with Derek Carr mm-hmm. because those two were, they, they were college, you know, teammate. college teammates. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they played together for a couple of years at Fresno State. Um, they're, they're still really good friends, Adams is a Bay Area guy. Vegas is obviously a lot closer to there than than Green Bay is, and he's got family, I guess, who doesn't really travel, doesn't doesn't fly, so he can't see his family as often as he'd like. Um, now he can do that a little bit better in Vegas. That all kind of I think played into it, and I think he was also, you know, I think there was a little bit of, you know, weirdness with the relationship with the Packers front office. I don't know if it was, you know, to the extent that that the Rodgers stuff was allegedly last offseason. But there was there was probably still a little bit of you know awkwardness there too that kind of played into it. So all of those things combined and look, the the Raiders, you know, ponied up a first round and a second round pick. Yeah. Um, and, and fundamentally, right, like the Packers could have not gotten anything for Adams because his contract was up. They had to franchise tag him to to even keep him around and get anything for him. So you know, if if that was a case where they knew he wanted out and he was not gonna play another down for Green Bay, then they did it right. You know, yeah. they got a couple of, of high value draft picks for him, um, you know, managed to um to send him to a place, you know, outside the division in in the AFC even, and um you know, it, it I think it ends up being as good of a, an outcome as it could be if you would you know, take the assumption that Adams was not going to play for Green Bay ever again. So looking at the
0: free agent period after the, you know, the storm uh, subsides, that that is the re-signing of, uh, the euphoria of re-signing Rodgers or the relief, if you want, uh, and then the, the the chaos that ensued of, you know, trading away uh, Devontae Adams right on top of that, um, apparently the answer to who he's going to be throwing footballs to is Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who's on a one-year like veteran minimum prove it deal after stealing money from Kansas City and Baltimore uh, the last uh, few years? I mean, is this is is this somebody you guys are hoping like is the second coming of Charles Woodson as like here's some cast off that nobody <laughs> wants anymore but's
1: going to have a second life in Green Bay? I mean, look, that's if if that happens, awesome. Yeah. I don't think anybody's expecting anything anything like that from Watkins. Um, there's been a lot of talk from, from the coaching staff this spring about, you know, really liking what he brings to the team and his attitude and everything. And, and he apparently is, is fully healthy, which is great. But honestly, with, with the contract. He's still got to earn a roster spot first in training camp, and then we can worry about you know where he's going to go from there. Yeah. Um, Alan Lazard is still probably going to be your number one guy. You've got Randall Cobb still back as a slot receiver. I thought Cobb was going to get cut for cap purposes, but they were able to work out a, um, a pay cut for him so, to keep him around for, for this season and keep his cap hit down. So Rodgers kind of has his third down security blanket and, uh, and Bear Killer and Randall Cobb uh, back for another season. Right. So, um, but yeah, outside of those three guys, there's nothing that, that we really know about. And and we don't really even know what Watkins can do at this stage of his career. So, uh, that room is full of unknowns and there's talent there. Don't get me wrong, Yeah, but nobody has any idea what, you know, what a lot of these guys are, are really going to be able to do in 2022.
0: Welcome to Chicago.
1: My friend, that is exactly <laughs> I, I what say, Ryan Poles has turned our wide receiver room into. I would still take the Packers' receiver room in a heartbeat over <laughs> the Bears at this point, so, and it's not close. So, I mean, Watkins is the only guys, only guy
0: that you signed, uh, as you mentioned before. Razul Douglas uh, was able to turn that. Uh, hey, we'll take you off the practice squad where you're, you're yep. or you know, making a couple of grand a week and. Now here's three years and twenty one million. Uh, you know, over that, uh, you still our punter. That was nice. Oh yeah, that's um, right. You got Pat O'Donnell, <laughs> and uh, you re sign Robert Tunyon. You bring in Jaron Reed uh, from or Jeron Reed from the from the Chiefs. And then I see is it Kason Dixon from the mm-hmm. um, Raiders, Raiders uh, I think, bring yeah. him over. But it's like and then the, the, Devondre
1: the, Campbell is the other one, the other big one, re signing him right. after his. Uh, his all pro season on the the one year basically vet men deal last year, so.
0: But the the list that that I find more interesting, um, that that makes me wonder about how you know like I the Packers are still the Packers, but. Knows the Darius Smith, Marquez Valdez Scantling is gone. You know, Lucas Patrick wasn't exactly a starter for you guys, but he was a a key cog, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, Oren Burks is gone. Uh, Corey Baroquez, which is why you guys. Stole our punter, decided to go off to yep. the Browns, and then of course Equinemius St. Brown, not uh, Roger's favorite target, but he's in Chicago uh, now. So it's like a lot of guys that you heard a lot about from their time in Green Bay are are off uh, elsewhere. But when you have a quarterback worth fifty million a year, that that kind of thing's going to happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and a lot of those departures, um, you know, aside from really Adams, I mean. Adams and Velda scantling those are the two guys who were the really big components, right? A lot of these guys have played a lot of snaps, mm-hmm. but Zadarius basically didn't play at all last season um, with with the back issues that he had. So I think he played one game in the regular season, and he, and he suited up for the uh, the playoff game. So that was purely a uh, a salary cap-saving move. I think they saved like $16 million in cap space by cutting him this year. Um. So, based on getting nothing out of him last year, that was a, a no-brainer move. Uh, and especially with the ascent of R- Rashawn Gary again that I mentioned. Um. And so it it there are big names in there, but the contributions they actually made to the 2021 team, aside from again the two big receivers, really not not that much that they that they contributed to the team's success last season. So let's move on to the.
0: Draft because yes, this is where less. Green Bay kind of turned it around as far as their offseason from the you know from like I said the relief of re signing Rogers to the the madness of trading away uh, Devontae and then you know like you're less than an unins- you're less than inspiring free agent you know class coming in you move on to the draft where you can start using some of these assets you got for Devontae Adams and the first one off the board is Quay Walker the inside linebacker from. Georgia. And then you double down on Bulldogs, which had the best defense in college football last year, and uh, Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle. Those were your two first-round picks
1: this year. Yeah, this this really was a signal that um, the, the Packers are moving into a different phase, right? That um, that they're going to be focusing a little more on the run game and, and the defense and, and trying to to build up the rest of that roster around Rodgers and, and take some of the pressure off of him. Defensively, both of these guys I think are going to really strengthen the middle of this this defense. Um, Wyatt's going to probably give Kenny Clark his best running mate ever since he since Clark showed up in Green Bay in 2016. Um, just from a pure talent standpoint and and an athleticism standpoint, right? If we didn't have Jordan Davis, the other Georgia tackle. Just absolutely destroy the combine this year. A lot more people, I think, would have been talking about Wyatt's workout because he was every bit the uh, the athlete that that Jordan Davis was. Just you know, about fifty pounds lighter. <laughs> but uh yeah i, I think he's he, he's a he's a guy who a lot of us kind of had projected as a potential Packers pick in the first round um just because i think he'll be a great fit at the three tech next to next to kenny clark and i think we'll see a little more you know of uh, back of the the two down lineman nickel the Packers used a lot of like Three down linemen and then three linebackers. So two outside linebackers, one off-ball linebacker with Campbell last year. Mm-hmm. I think with Walker, um, you're going to see a lot more of like a, a standard two-four-five nickel with two down linemen, two edge rushers, two linebackers, and then five DBs. And probably going to be Wyatt and Kenny Clark as the the down linemen in in those formations. So this I think unlocks a little bit of um. Pos- versatility for, for Joe Barry in this defense in terms of what he can do with some of the personnel on that front seven. Uh,
0: and then to answer you know, who Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing passes yep. to, you answer that immediately with a – I don't know what the hell was wrong with Detroit making all <laughs> kinds of deals with division teams to move up and down the board uh, in the draft, but they they make the trade with Minnesota to move up like with the Rams pick at 32. They move up to 12 uh, to take Jameson Williams. Yep, something like that. Uh, yeah. The wide receiver out of Alabama, and then they trade back in the second round with you guys, and you get Christian Wilson, somebody that was widely mocked to be to land at the Bears with at thirty nine. Um, was it thirty nine with our first? Pick? Yeah, thirty nine was our first pick. A lot of people were were mocking him to us at thirty nine and said you take him off the board uh, at thirty four.
1: Yeah, the, the Watson trade was really interesting because all the reports, because Minnesota's sitting there with 32 and 34, right? Packers wanted to get to 32 and get him at the end of the first round, and Minnesota's like, nope, we don't want you to get a chance to use a fifth-year fifth option on this guy, so come back and talk to us tomorrow in the second round. And they made basically the exact same trade, both of their second-round picks, the one they the Packers originally had and then the one they got from the Raiders in the Adams trade to move all the way up to thirty four and get Watson. Um he he had He's got boomer bust
0: potential. I mean he could oh really be gosh. something special or he can be like, why did we waste two first two second round picks on this guy? He's
1: he he's got maybe one of the best workouts at the combine since like a Julio Jones or a Calvin Johnson. And he's got that kind of size too. I mean, yeah. he's six, six, four and a half, six, five. Um, he's not as, he's not as thick as either of those two guys are, but, um, I think he can certainly bulk up a little bit. But the big question for him, right, is playing at North Dakota State, the, the competition and the fact that North Dakota State has a very run heavy offense. So yeah. he, he played less than half of, the the bison's offensive snaps last year which is very unusual for a guy you know take an early second round um they're betting on upside they're betting on athleticism um there's just probably going to be some growing pains um w- with him and and kind of adjusting to the nfl and then adjusting to rogers who is famously very demanding of his wide receivers right but, yeah, the potential is, is absolutely sky high with him. I mean, but
0: because that's what the discussion was as far as him landing in Chicago at 39, which was, yep. you know, it's like, man, this guy's got great tools, he's got great size, he's got a catch radius that is out of this world, but he he drops passes, he's not exactly the most efficient route runner, he's played at low-level talent and all that kind of stuff, so, you know, he could run into a brick wall uh, in the NFL when he's going up against NFL guys, uh, and things like that. So it was just yep. it was such an interesting discussion listening to people, you know, kind of talking into existence that he would be a bear and then other ones trying to talk it out of existence because they were more paranoid about the downside of what he could be and, uh, you know, what we did and didn't see uh, during his college days. So, um, you know, him landing in Green Bay is probably the perfect place for him yeah. as far as, you know, you have Rogers, you know. What you're going to get from Rodgers and it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, how demanding he is of his receivers, how he handles that, how he handles being a little bit light in the ass for, for an NFL for a guy his size, you know, <laughs> yep. uh, you know, that's one of probably one of the reasons why he was one double A as opposed to, you know, uh, he, you know, top five or whatever uh, yeah. in the NFL.
1: Yeah, he was definitely a late bloomer physically, but um, honestly, we had a lot of the same types of discussions among Packers fans about Watson, especially once that uh, you know with that twenty eighth pick. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of mock drafts that had him going to Green Bay in that range, and you know, I was I was very much a proponent of look if he falls to you in the second round with one of those picks in the fifties, you know, even if you want to move up into maybe like the mid forties or something, if he's there. I can understand it. I thought the price that they paid to you know, both of those second-round picks to get him felt a little high, yeah, to me. But I, I mean, I've I've come around again on on, on the tools. They're they're obvious. the mm-hmm. The flashes are there, um, and at this point, right, like you you pay for projection in the NFL mm-hmm. draft. Yeah. And so, you know, there's nobody that that projects with a higher ceiling among receivers in this class than Watson. So, yeah. I get it.
0: Yeah, the 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 other options um well, I remember I was talking to you uh during the offseason is like please just don't draft Chris Olave. Just please don't draft <laughs> cuz the uh, last thing that I need is is uh, you know, Justin Fields favorite college target kicking our ass twice a year. It's like I don't I don't need that. So, please stay away. From Chris Olavi, don't use those two first-round picks to move up and take him. I would appreciate that so much. Thank you.
1: Well, and it was it was funny the way the board went down right i mean you get to the you get to about seven and there's no receivers off the board and yeah, you know, packers fans are kind of thinking "Ooh, okay you know 22 we could maybe move up into the mid-teens or something if like a falls or even if like a garrett wilson or, or jameson williams fall you know that's a range where you can move up maybe move your third round pick to to move up from 22 to like 15 16 yeah, and then, and then, like, then four boom, of the next six picks four of the next receiver. five picks yeah. yeah london goes wilson goes a goes jameson goes and it's like well Okay, crap. I guess we're on to like tier two here. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was just interesting to see how they decided to handle that. Uh, Going defense then with both first rounders, and then again moving up for uh, moving up for Watson as kind of I don't know if that was a backup option for them. But maybe that was kind of what they had in mind the whole time, but who knows?
0: Uh, then the other day two pick was uh, Sean Ryan, a guard out of UCLA, uh, to kind of replace some of the depth you guys lost during the off season. Yep. Uh, for some reason, I feel like the name Romeo Dobbs is a name I'm going to hear a lot out of Green Bay because it's another one of these day three receivers yeah. that I'm sure is going to be a pain in the ass, not only for the Bears, but for everybody else that has to play Green Bay. I know nothing about the kid. I just know that the history of the Packers says they, these day three receivers with these funny names are going to be out there doing damage because Rodgers can get him the ball.
1: <laughs> well, i say Dobbs was a guy who, when we got to day three, I had his name circled from the very get go. as this is the guy I want? Because because you got to figure right. This this team needed two to three receivers in this draft. Watson wasn't couldn't really be the only guy that they brought in just because they need bodies as much as anything else. Sure. And based on who was left after round three. Dobbs was the guy that I think I liked the best, really. That was that was still left. Um, He came from like a run and shoot offense in Nevada, so his route tree isn't kind of where maybe where it needs to be um, at the the NFL level, but. I think he also suffered from a little bit of an injury during training and he didn't work out at the combine so that might have slipped him down boards a little bit but the guy had back-to-back 1000-yard seasons the last 2 years he scored 20 touchdowns combined the last 2 years um he's he's got good deep speed you can you can take the top off a little bit and he he's he's tough over the middle I mean he is willing to go over the middle take a shot um and make some tough catches so i think that's gonna that's gonna endear him a little bit to rogers and um i don't know how much he contributes as a rookie but i mean he's certainly making the roster and i think um you can probably put him out there on on special teams with you know he's got enough speed he can contribute there as a rookie and work his way into the the rotation on offense you know in maybe year two uh and really carve out a a nice role i think as um as a complimentary receiver to, to hopefully as a, as a good compliment to Watson. And
0: then to, to wrap up the, the back half of the draft. Cause you guys have what 10 picks uh, yeah. this year. Uh, those were the top 5 there. the bottom five, Zach, Tom, a guard out of wake forest, uh, Kingsley and, and Gebert?
1: and, and, and Nick yeah. There There's a few <laughs> syllables in there.
0: Linebacker <laughs> out of South Carolina, Tariq Carpenter, another linebacker, Georgia tech, Jonathan Ford, a D tackle out of Miami, Rashid Walker, thanks for making that one easy on me. Offensive tackle out of <laughs> Penn State, and then Samari Toure, a wide receiver out of Nebraska, on the back end. Um, was he Mister Irrelevant, or was there one after? Not quite. I
1: think there was a couple, uh, a okay. couple guys that went after 258, him. Two fifty-eight. But...
0: That's way up there as far as yeah. the, as far as that goes. But uh, you know, wide receiver off the from Nebraska, the last to come off the board for Green Bay. Look, looking for anything out of these out of these back five
1: guys here. Yeah, I mean. Tom, I think, can be a a backup on day one. He's probably going to back up at center and might even back up uh, like right tackle because um, he played both of those or both tackle and center at college at Wake Forest. He is maybe the most prototypical Packers offensive line pick since they took John Runyon a couple years ago. <laughs> he absolutely hits every one of their uh, their trends in terms of testing for offensive linemen. Um, on, on day three picks uh, They've got very consistent Targets that they look for on these guys Agility times and, and height and, and especially having uh, Experience playing left tackle playing, uh, playing blindside tackle is something they look for too So I think you could see him You know, he's probably going to be the backup Center, probably backs up at guard I don't know if he plays You know, he might be thrust into a, a spot Starting role this year um, He'll need to put on a little bit of weight and some strength but I think he's another guy who a year or two down the road, you could very well see him as a starter on this offensive line as far as Enbari goes, I think he's going to be a good rotational player. I think he fell a little bit for i'm not I'm not really sure why he he slipped in the draft I mean I saw a lot, a lot of people projecting him around you know end of round three early round four so we were pretty happy to, to find a little depth on the edge with with him in the fifth round and then of those seventh round guys the, the last four um, Toure again, another receiver, um, but but great testing. Um, he absolutely lit it up at Montana before he transferred to Nebraska after the COVID year. Mm. Uh, so there's some, uh, there, there's definitely some potential there. And he had some really big games the the second half of the season for Nebraska. Uh, he had a big game against Wisconsin, who's obviously got a great defense, and against Ohio State late in the season. So um, look for him to. You know, try to compete for a special teams role early, especially if the Packers keep more than six receivers. I think he's uh, he's got a really great shot of uh, cracking the roster, and you know, maybe making some some contributions here and there in the next couple of years.
0: And we made it through the draft without any Aaron Rodgers is unhappy news or, yeah. or anything like that being uh, thrown in our faces, <laughs> uh, just to make uh, draft weekend uh, exciting slash unbearable uh, for those. <laughs> three days because that's all anybody wanted to talk about yeah. whenever they had a free moment, like especially day three of the draft last year, anytime that there was a free moment while they were, you know, run running off the picks or whatever, it was always about, you know, where could Rogers go? Who would be interested? Would somebody trade for him? You know, is it too late because the draft is practically over as opposed to, you know, like any picks you trade would, would come off next year and the, and the years after kind of thing. And, you know, none of that. We we already had that nipped in the bud, even with Devontae Adams being shipped off and, and things like that. All of the Green Bay drama was kind of out of the way at the time. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to yesterday. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, we, um, well, real quick, before we get to that, you addressed the special teams by oh, uh, yes. Rich Biasaccia. That's how you yep. say it, right?
1: Bisachia? Yeah. Bisachia, yeah, yeah. The,
0: who was the interim head coach that took the Raiders to a playoff berth after the whole nonsense with, with Gruden um, having to pay for 10-year-old emails. Like, I, I get what he was saying was, was not cool, uh, and, you know, obviously you don't want anybody – it was 10 years ago. I, I just – if if not more, wasn't it like 06 or something like that? Crazy that those emails? Yeah,
1: yeah I think uh... – from what I remember, there was uh, there was a period of time where they they pulled a, a handful of those from, but yeah, that was right. that was a while back. But I mean, anyway,
0: despite all that, he's he's gone. Busacca takes him to the to the playoffs. Um, they lose to the eventual AFC East champion. Game a hell of a run uh, at it at the same time, and he had some choices about where he could go because there was actually um, you know some talk about how he might end up in Chicago, but yeah. instead he goes to uh, he goes to Green Bay and. Um, one of the more widely touted, like the other Dave Tobe, if you will, as far as like being yeah. the guy that you want running your special teams unit, lands in Green Bay after they have their worst season as a special teams unit in quite some time.
1: We will settle for basic competence at this point from our special teams <laughs> unit. That basic competence is is going to be such a light years size improvement from what we had last season that um, you know, if he, if he can, if he can get to that level, you know, we'll be ecstatic. And it's the Packers finally, finally, after years and years and years of this opened up the checkbook for a special teams coordinator. (laughs) Um, A couple years ago when, when Lafleur was hired, uh, he wanted to bring in Darren Rizzi, who I think came from either Miami or new Orleans ended up in, the other the other place um but you know he really wanted to hire him as the special teams coordinator when he was putting together his first staff and essentially the packers wouldn't pay up his asking price and they've paid for it the last 3 years uh they've had two different coordinators neither one of them has done any you know done anything with those those units um and so i think besage brings a totally different approach a different attitude to to that Role, um, he's from everything that we hear, right? He's he's a hard ass, but he's a hard ass who gets guys to to trust him, to believe in him, and to play hard for him. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different attitude than the Packers have had in that position the last couple of years. Maurice Drayton, last year's coordinator, seemed like a really good guy, seemed like a a a good teacher. Um, just it, it just didn't work out, and I I do think there's some value to shaking up the approach and shaking up the attitude, especially at that spot where so much of special teams is, you know, there, there's some technique there, but a lot of it is just effort and want to. And, um, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that Bisaccia really, you know, can, can at least make a, a drastic improvement, which again, to this point would be basic competence.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing about special teams coordinators, why some of them get shots at being head coach is because they, they are basically managing the entire roster because they're taking yeah. the guys that the other coordinators don't want to run a unit that nobody really wants to play on. I mean, there are so few guys that take pride in playing special teams. Most yep. of them look at it as some kind of punishment or demotion, or, you know, very few of them look at it as a, as, a, as a route to a career. Or, you know, maybe if I shine here, like, you know, the first one that pops in my mind, like Terrell Davis. You know, makes an amazing hit his rookie year on a special teams unit. Next thing you know, he's a starting running back for the Broncos. Now he's got a a golden jacket because he's a Hall of Famer, kind of thing. Very few people look at it as a, you know, a a, um, what's the word? Springboard to something bigger uh, on on you know to getting a bigger role or getting another look uh, from the team uh, and things. So being able to motivate guys to play a position or playing on in a phase of the team that nobody wants to play on. Doesn't get a whole lot of love, you know that kind of thing uh, is not an easy job to do.
1: Definitely, yeah. So we're certainly looking forward to seeing what uh, what he brings on that in that phase of the foot uh, of football and and you know hopefully we'll get some uh, some pretty substantial changes in the execution when it comes down to it this year because it was it was a uh, like I said myriad issues that were were problems. There was eff- some effort issues. There were just technique and you know, assignment issues. I mean, everything that everything that could go wrong on special teams went wrong at some point for the right. Packers last year. Right.
0: Yeah. And that was that was the thing about it. It wasn't just the one thing that, that yeah. killed you. It was different things in different games uh, that that were hurting you in, in different, you know, all kinds of ways. And then it all just kind of came together in, in one ugly package in, in that uh, divisional game against the 49ers you know the, the coverage issues you're getting kicks blocked and you know all that kind of stuff and, and, and it ended up being uh your death knell uh, in that game uh you know with with the uh the block punt being returned for a for a touchdown that was the difference uh in the game so uh without that the defense wins the game 10 to 6
1: uh as opposed to what well, you know how it all went down you just, uh, you, you're really enjoying twisting that knife, aren't little you? Little bits,
0: little bits. You know, I mean, we got to take our wins where we can uh, as Bear fans, because I don't know, I mean, I, I talked to Jeremy Reisman about this last night when it's like the, the thing that's been tough about the talking heads and the analyst all of a sudden uh, in love with the idea about the Bears being the worst team in the league is that I don't know if they're wrong because yeah. we don't know what we have. We don't know what we're going to put out there as far as the offense because we got a brand-new guy calling plays for the first time. Will that work? A rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator in, in Getze. I mean, you got, you know Getze, but... I was just going to say, we haven't even talked
1: about him yeah. jumping ship over to Chicago. We'll yeah. get
0: to that, but it's just, you know, Getze calling plays for the first time. Allen Williams calling defense for the first time because our, our head coach, thankfully, isn't going to call plays. He's going to coach the football team, which is music to every Bear fan's ears after four years <laughs> of Nagy having no idea how to run a football team. And, you know, the the guys that I mean with Ryan Pace leaving the cupboard bare as far as cap space and, and draft picks, there wasn't a whole lot of maneuvering that Ryan Poles could do. He had to bring in a bunch of guys on prove it deals who want to get more contracts and take a take advantage of the Bears and their hundred million dollars in cap space in twenty twenty three. So we don't know what we have, you know. Along with the draft picks, are these guys going to work out? You know, all the jokes about Velas Jones being 48 years old and you know <laughs> things like that. You know, it's just the draft, not drafting an offensive lineman until like the fifth round, and then we drafted five of them. You know, that kind of thing. It's just like, okay, we. I don't know if the, if the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL. What's driving me nuts is that I can't really say yes or no about it, and I'm just waiting for the season to start. So we can answer the question is 2022 going to be a tough year before we can try to close the gap in 2023, going out there using some of that money to bring in some big name talent. That's going to help us, you know, gain ground on everybody else. Or are we going to surprise some people? And this thing works out a hell of a lot better than anybody thought. I can't wait to find out. But while these guys are saying it, I really don't have the ammunition to say otherwise. And that's, what's frustrating right now. So makes sense. Anyway, before we get to the to the Getzy, before we get to the schedule, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Yeah. Your thoughts on the the tattoo? I mean, what the hell is that
1: thing, man? <laughs> so I said. Uh... It, it, he, he revealed his tattoo on the same day that Disney announced that they're coming out with, with a the national, national treasure, treasure series. That's TV what it was. Series. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was just like, all right, there, there's some something's going on here. This can't be a coincidence because that absolutely looks like a, a map to the, uh, you know, oh, to for some sure, sort of, sure, man, uh, you
0: could easily turn that into an episode or something or, yeah. a, or a series arc for the, for the season, <laughs> just deciphering the symbols in that tattoo to lead you to the treasure.
1: Yeah, there's going to be some sort of, you know, hidden gold underneath Lambeau Field or something. (laughs) We're going to find out five years from now. So, uh, I mean, it's uh, that if if, I don't know, that's he
0: just keeps finding ways to to top what he did last time. I I didn't think he could really outdo. I'm uh, immunized, uh, not uh, vaccinated. I really didn't think that was possible. And then the tattoo comes out. I mean, and it's just weirder than that you know uh, uh, just kind of misleading people with the whole I'm immunized not vaccinated hey, I mean yeah. that that whole thing but then the tattoo comes out there there's lions one of them's you know growling at the other the other one's just kind of chilling <laughs> there you you've got constellations you've got uh, zodiac symbols you have circles and lines everywhere there's a, a picture of the ocean I'm guessing or yeah. and then some weird symbols at the bottom and it's just like
1: this is a lot to take in, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I mean, what what were your thoughts when you saw it? I I, I literally just shook my head and I'm like, you know what? W- with everything that's happened in the last you know year and change, this this makes sense. This doesn't even surprise <laughs> me at this point. That's so. the thing.
0: It's like, yeah, that checks out <laughs> with the way this guy's been acting lately. Uh, yeah. yeah, this this that uh, that makes like you said that checks out. That makes total. Totals. It would make more sense if he and uh, Woodley were still together. I think, but uh, now that he's riding solo, uh,
1: yeah, it makes it just a li- even a little bit weirder. Uh, there's on top there's of that. some there's some talk about him uh, having having a new woman in his life who is um, a little even a little more out there than Shailene oh, Woodley boy. was. So, I, I yeah, who knows? But uh, now, yeah, what are you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's <laughs> at this point. I mean, the 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 funny thing was last off season when all the drama was going on mark murphy the the packers president and ceo um took a lot of flack for for a comment he made saying that Rodgers was a complicated fella and i think in hindsight like he was that was that was the best possible description of of aaron Rodgers that you could get
0: yeah yeah We've kind of always known that about him, but he's really laid it on pretty thick the last uh-huh. few years. Uh, he's making the, no
1: no secrets about who he who he is. Yeah, so I mean I that's
0: that's what you tend to do when you get older. But right. uh, you know you tend not to care so much about what people think. But uh, when you're a public figure uh, and and one in, in the in the, the spotlight of an Aaron Rodgers, yeah. um, probably want to hang on to that until your playing days are over. Uh, you know, instead of when you're out there in the forefront. Uh, like that but um, hey man it's his life and uh, that's the tattoo that we're going to be seeing on every broadcast uh, this season so I I hope you I hope you like the uh, tattoo because you're gonna be seeing plenty (laughs) of it in you know for the next 17 to 20 games based on how the season works out for you guys so Uh, look
1: I'm just hoping for a lot of cold weather so he wears sleeves a lot this season (laughs)
0: All right, so let's talk to about the schedule, and then we'll wrap up with uh, with Luke Getze. Um, you know, on the road at Minnesota to start week one, and then the legally mandated Sunday night football appearance yep. by the Bears at Lambeau Field week two. At Tampa Bay for week three, which I guess is just uh, going to be one of those late start uh, game of the week type things because it's not yep. a national TV game. Then home for the Patriots for the first – four weeks so an interesting start I mean uh, the the Vikings not exactly a team that really scares anybody but they've always given the Packers hell and that's how you start the season then you've got the the Bears week two on Sunday night football then the Buccaneers and you know good old Tom Brady that retired for a cup of coffee and decided to come back and then the Patriots with the ascending Mac Jones and how will he be week numbers or year number two
1: yeah it's a uh it's a weird first month. Um, week one, again, we talked about it for for the the way it went down last season with that Saints game. Weird crap always happens in week one, so uh, I, I'm trying not to take anything for granted there. But the one that really kind of irritates me is having to have a uh, a trip down to Florida in September. Yeah, because that's that's never fun. And the Packers all have have had struggles in Florida the last couple of years anyway. Um, again, that, that saints game, for example, um, crazy hot weather, you know, in, in Jacksonville for that game in week one. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe it's unseasonably warm or something and maybe they've you know figured out some sort of solution for their crappy turf at Raymond James stadium by then, <laughs> but uh, not holding my breath. So yeah, I've, I've been um, to
0: Tampa, Florida. I've only been there once. It was 21 years ago now. Just just after 9-11, actually, November of 2001, uh, my alma mater, Western Illinois, playing at South Florida. And they played there their home go. games in Raymond James Stadium. And in yep. mid-November, it was 85 and unbearably humid. <laughs> it's like, I'm never coming to Florida ever again. I will never oh, okay. come. Because if, if this is how it's like, in my favorite time of the year, fall, I love the fall, I love the weather, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, if this is what fall is like, I can't imagine what summer must be like down here.
1: Yeah. So my, my only football experience in Tampa, uh, Wisconsin played in the Outback bowl at, uh, at Raymond James in roughly 2007, 2008. Um, and yeah, January 1st bowl game. And even that one was, you know, 78 (laughs) degrees or so, something like that. And, Uh you know, warm and pretty humid so yeah yeah that's that, the that thing that could be the, the, the humidity be is is what yeah. makes it unbearable
0: like yeah. 85 okay nice departure from the 40 degree weather we left behind in Illinois but the humidity screw this man I'm staying inside to let me know when the bus <laughs> leaves for the stadium I'm not coming out so yep. Yeah, met a hall of famer that day though yeah. uh, Leroy Selman um, nice first awesome. over first ever draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 76 and mm-hmm. uh, you know and I like I said a hall of famer as well uh, second quarter of the season, uh, first trip, a quote-unquote home game against the Giants in the U.K. Yeah. Um, so that, that awesome 8.30 a.m. Uh, game, uh, <laughs> if, you know, if you want to get up at the crack of dawn to watch the the, the Packers kick the crap out of the Giants. <laughs> uh, then you come home for an actual home game against the Jets, then at the Washington Commanders, which is still taking some getting used to. Oh, and yeah. then Sunday night football on the road at Buffalo to close out the second quarter.
1: Yeah, I thought the biggest thing that surprised me here was that the Packers didn't take the bye week immediately after the London yeah. game in yeah. Week Six. That one, that one shocked me. Um, we all knew that they were getting a London game for some time. Um, they were the last team that had not played over in London at some point in the last whatever fifteen years. You no, know that's they started why doing it feels this. weird. I was
0: like, the Packers are going. It's like I didn't realize they hadn't been over there. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yep, it's their first time playing over there, and and so this this being the first year that they've got the nine home games with the seventeen game schedule, um, the NFL basically drafted them and said, "Yep, you're going. This is this is happening." Um, but yeah, they they apparently had the option of do the the league asked them, "Do you want the buy after the London game?" And they said, "No, we don't. We'd rather have it later on in the season," which uh which surprised me. That's going to be a rough stretch because that's a lot of travel. Um. You know, go, going going to London and back, coming home, then going you know going back east a couple times, uh, back to back weeks. So that'll be that'll be an interesting stretch. And that Packers Bills game, that Sunday night game, um, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, I, I, I really think that's uh, that's every bit deserving of of that time slot, and it should be really interesting to see, uh, the first time that Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen we'll square off with Josh Allen actually being good because the only other time they've played each other, I think, was Allen's rookie year when he yeah, s- still yeah. had no idea what he was doing. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun one.
0: Uh, for sure. Um, then, I mean, that's going to be an interesting weekend uh, for me because you have that game, which I'm looking forward to, and then that's the week that the Cowboys and the Bears play. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, to be interesting, I, I, for some reason I've always – Always enjoyed Bears Cowboys uh, games, and this one is going to be yeah. in Dallas. And the Bears travel notoriously well. And um, the last couple of times that we've been down there, I think we lost the last time we went down there. But we it was like Chicago South uh, down there, as far as like crowd reaction uh, nice. in the game. It was like the Bears just the Bear fans just went in there and just took the place over. Packers um, fans have
1: done that in, in AT and T Stadium too a couple yeah. times. So, so yeah, that's great. You
0: know when you when you when you give a uh, you know ninety thousand seats to fill up. You know the 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 and, and, and you have the Bears and the Packers coming to town,
1: uh-huh. chances
0: are it's going to be a lot of green and a lot of navy blue uh, in those stands if you're not careful, so uh yeah, but speaking of the cowboys uh, after after buffalo you're you're on the road at Detroit, three road games in a row there at Washington at Buffalo, and then at Detroit to start November. then you're home yeah. for Dallas, and then the quick turnaround yeah. Thursday night against Tennessee and depending on the football team that Tennessee turns out to be. Like, will they be who they were last year, that dominant good defense, solid running game, but God help us, our quarterback is killing us, um, or will they just fall apart because Ryan Tannehill is just not living up to that contract uh, anymore? That could be a hell of a five-day stretch for you guys. Dallas, uh, yeah. Dallas at home and then you know Thursday night against the, the Titans. That could be rough.
1: Yeah, the the fortunate thing is both of those games are home games, so yeah. at least there's no travel involved with with those two. But uh doing that coming off of a like you said, a, a three straight road game stretch, which I think the Packers haven't had three road games in a row in like six or seven years, something mm. like that. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. I mean, this this is also that Cowboys game is Mike McCarthy's first time yeah. uh, coaching against the Packers uh, and certainly first time in Green Bay again in Lambeau. And this uh, is not since...
0: going to be a triumphant return for this guy. <laughs> I mean, talk about yeah. somebody who kind of wore out his welcome at the end uh, there in uh-huh. Green Bay, and then after, A, him setting you guys up for the one playoff opponent you didn't want... Uh, Coming into town, it's like, yeah, he's nobody's going to be, you know, like Mike McCarthy Boulevard might be torn off the torn off the street signs, you know, (laughs) out there before he gets to come back.
1: Yeah, that's uh, there's going to be all the storylines, all the takes flying, you know, hot and heavy before that one. So, um, but yeah, I mean that, that Packers Titans game, that's a that's a matchup of last year's number 1 seeds in right. both conferences, right? And they're putting that on a Thursday night. They they really want to to pump the the Amazon Thursday night schedule this year.
0: You're also seeing a lot better matchups on Monday night as well to kind of give, mm-hmm. you know, something worthy of Buck and Ankman uh, taking over on, yeah. on ESPN. So, I think it's a good thing because how many times have you checked in on, you know, the the Browns and, you know, and whatever random team they've been thrown on Monday night, you know, hey, Browns Jets, can't wait to watch that one. Like no thanks. <laughs> uh, I think I'll watch Raw or something like that. That'll yeah. be more entertaining than watching football, you know, with these two guys uh, over here. But um yeah, then after the Titans, you're back out on the road again at Philly and then coming to Soldier Field December 4th to wrap up the season series. Uh, hopefully Rogers will not be telling our fans that he still owns us at the end of this one, um, before the week fourteen buy same one that the Bears have uh, this year. So, you know, instead of uh, the week six uh, you 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 wanted later in the year, well, you got the absolute latest one, week yeah. fourteen, uh, before the you know a final four game stretch. Uh, speaking of Monday night, home for the Rams Monday night, then the main event on Christmas night against the Dolphins in Miami. Hopefully it won't be too awful down there. Yeah. Then and then home for Minnesota, home for Detroit. You guys play in Detroit at the end of the year. Who would have thought that, huh? Yeah, go figure. So, my um, guess. They still gave us Minnesota again, but they flipped it this year. I could not believe it. We're not Is going to Chicago? Minnesota. It's in oh, Chicago well, there you go. this well, year. We-
1: that's the same, actually, with, with Green Bay-Detroit. We got that game in Green Bay this time, so that's, uh, that's a nice little change of pace. I,
0: could, I was like, because I was walk, you know walking, looking, walking down the schedule, looking down the schedule, and I think our first matchup is week five in Minnesota. I was like, that's a typo. There's no way that, <laughs> you know, because you look at it at a glance, like, okay, well, there's Minnesota at the bottom again, and then look, week five at Minnesota. Wait, so you Ooh. scroll down. Week 5, week 18 in Chicago. Oh. Is that right? So you obviously you go to the next site and you pull it. Nope, no, there it is. It's we're actually in Chicago this time. It's still Minnesota, but we flipped it. We're in we're in we're in Minnesota, we're in Chicago. I'm Chris Gates and I will talk about that quite a bit when I get him on the horn. Oh, uh, I'm sure. to to preview that cuz I mean that's been the running joke. It's like this this is literally like 7 out of the last 8 years that we're finishing with each other which uh-huh. would be the same thing with you in Detroit. Correct. First time it's actually taking place in Chicago as every every other one has been in Minnesota. Every last I one. I think
1: I think the I think there was one of those Packers Lions games that was in Green Bay. I think it was actually the one in was a it 2018. It was the year McCarthy got fired. Wasn't because, that
0: the Pat McAfee game?
1: Um
0: where they kind of threw it, him in there to be the color guy and he was That you might be right. He went yeah, nuts and, when they when like the kicker threw a touchdown pass or something like that.
1: Yeah, that that does sound right. Um, and and that was one where Rogers got concussed like in the, the in the middle of the first quarter or something, and Deshaun Kaiser had to come in and play, and it was a, it was all sorts of ugly. So um, <laughs> hopefully, we'll have a, a little bit of a better experience this time around at Lambeau in Week 18.
0: So looking at the schedule uh, with the off season that you guys have had, what, what's the outlook looking? I mean, do you think 13 and four uh, again, or maybe you take a few hits and it's 11 and six this year, 10 and seven? Because it's not exactly like anybody else is poised to run away with the division this year. Because maybe you guys took a step back as far as some of the guys you lost, or or you know, with losing Devonte Adams, it's a pretty big hole to fill.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is a tough schedule, right? You've got again, you've got Buffalo, you got Tennessee, you got Tampa, uh, the Rams obviously coming off the Super Bowl. I mean, those are those are all very tough games. Um you know, I figure the Packers probably end up being favored in something like twelve to thirteen games this year. Mm-hmm. Um but something like an eleven and six, twelve and five seems about right to me. I don't think they get to thirteen again. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that happens with the the way the travel schedule breaks down a little bit um with the bye week. I think this is a you know a team that um yeah, you know, they they probably drop one here somewhere that just kind of leaves your your head scratching for whatever reason, whether that's injury or again like something weird with travel or something. So, um, but again, I think this is this is still definitely to in in my eyes this is a double digit win team, a team that should win the NFC North this season at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then once you get into the postseason, I mean. We've we've seen it many times that uh, you know it, it, anything can happen with with this team in the postseason, right? The last yeah. Super Bowl win, they they snuck in as the sixth seed and and then went on a ridiculous run because right. you know they they were you know their their record did not reflect what how good of a team they were. Um, they've been the one seed three times now um, in that you know in the intervening span and. Have won one game combined between those three seasons as the one seed. So, who the hell knows? Just I, I, I still prescribe to the get in and, you know, and then things will, things will sort of, sort themselves out. But sure. uh, at least get in, win the division, and then give yourself a home game, and uh, and then try to go from there.
0: All right. So, uh, you know, first matchup is week two. So it won't be that long until we get a chance to. Uh, talk to each other again, and and oh, almost forgot. Real quick, what can you tell us about Lugetti? Because I know he wasn't the yeah. guy calling plays up there for you, but I also know that he was somebody you guys didn't want to see leave.
1: No, Gettsy's a, a a really interesting guy. A, a young offensive mind. Um, he's he's worked under. Both uh, McCarthy and Lafleur in Green Bay, uh, and then he took a, I think a, a one or two year break, kind of in in between there at one point to to go work for Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator down there, even though Moorhead was still calling plays. So he's kind of had a diverse background in terms of the types of offenses and that that his bosses, his head coaches, have run. So I, I wouldn't pigeonhole him necessarily into like the Shanahan approach or True. like a McCarthy approach i think he's he's going to be pretty adaptable um and, and try to really work with the personnel that uh, that he's got and, and try to make something after, something work
0: after four <laughs> years of naggy uh, yep. adaptable is a sexy word uh, i i
1: figured that would get you excited uh, yeah that i mean i mean i mean that's
0: what he said <laughs> in the press conference yeah. and i didn't know if that was just lip service or is he actually going to be that guy because that's that's what this team needs, especially with the roster that we currently have. You yep. know, we, we, we have a bunch of guys that are either you know, cast-offs or, or whatever from other organizations like Byron Pringle and, and you know, guys like Equinemius, St. Brown, and, uh, and things like that as far as our wide, re- wide receiver room uh, is concerned. We have some good, good tools in, in our running back room uh, right now, and we also have a Swiss Army knife and a quarterback who can throw the ball he can run you know and do things like that it's you know it's year two it's an important year for that young quarterback and being adaptable and like okay, well, that doesn't work, we'll rip this page out of the book we'll we'll go to the next one kind of thing is a philosophy that he needs uh, right now, so hopefully you know getsy uh, is is who he says he is, and uh you know if 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 what you just said is is true, then then hopefully we will have. Uh, a guy that will put us in the best position to succeed as opposed to trying to wedge everybody into this offensive scheme that does not work for those guys. So, you know, because, I mean, my frustration with Nagy and his play calling, um, you know, began in 2019, which was only year number two, after we ran the power I against the Chargers to the tune of 155 yards and two touchdowns from Montgomery, only to have that schmuck tell the press press corps, I didn't come here to run the power I. Are, are you sure? Because <laughs> your rookie running back just ran for, you know, 150 in two touchdowns against a pretty good Chargers defense, and uh, you might want to, you know, dip into that from time to time, and he just didn't. Yeah. You know, the only reason we ran the ball as much as we did in that game was that the week before against the Saints, we ran the ball seven times in a football game. On on Walter Payton Day of all things, uh, you know, oh, it was like that's Walter right. Payton bobblehead Day, we ran the ball <laughs> seven times in a football uh, game. We were only down one score until like midway through the fourth quarter. So, yeah. But uh, instead instead we're going to have Trubisky throw the ball fifty four times uh, in that game uh, against the Saints. So, yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, you know what you just said about him being adaptable is uh, is true, and and we see a. Uh, an offense that you know maybe it's going to struggle to find itself for a while, but when it does, it will be because of trial and error, and we've we figured out who we are. Versus, oh well, that doesn't work. Let's run it again, you know, because right. that's basically what we just sat through for the last four years with uh, with Nagy. So, yep. All right, Evan, this has uh, been a blast uh, as usual, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again prior uh, to our legally mandated uh, primetime game, week number two. Uh, on Sunday nights, uh, in Lambeau. And, uh, where can we keep up with you in the meantime?
1: Yeah, you can always, uh, find me at Tex Western on Twitter. You can find us at Acme Packing Co. on Twitter. Um, that's AcmePackingCompany.com is the URL for the website. Uh, we just broke down our, uh, top 10 plays for the Packers 2021 season. Um, you're not going to like number one. But um, your listeners probably won't like it either. But uh, spoiler alert:
0: what's what's the, what's number one?
1: Um, let's just say a, a slogan that launched a thousand t-shirts came uh, out of that place. I see. Okay. Um, so, but uh, yeah, there's there's some good ones in there, and we'll be uh, firing up our uh, our roster preview here uh, coming up in the next couple days. So all that's going to be coming coming along and not sure when when this will be going live and that some we might be in the middle of that when that happens but uh yeah this yeah. will be uh
0: next uh, no not next week but the week after the, yeah we'll be, see, uh, today is today is the seventh um, next week uh, on Tuesday is the the Lions next Thursday is the Vikings the following Tuesday is when this one will drop so a little bit of time between now and, and when this officially drops
1: Sounds good. Yeah. So we'll be we're in the middle of our uh our 53 man prediction and and roster breakdown to to get ready for Packers training camp which starts uh, I think first practice is Wednesday. I want to say that's the 27th of July. So looking forward to seeing this team get back on the field. It's yeah. it's coming quick.
0: Because we have a new head coach, we get to start a little earlier. Ah, that's right. Rookies report on the 23rd, a veterans on the 25th. So um yeah, it'll like uh like the the week that this episode drops will be the last week without football because training go. camp will start that saturday. So, Love it. Love it. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to answer these questions. Can't wait for the season to get started so life can get back to normal again. Am I right?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> We're almost there.
0: All right, Evan, this has been uh this has been fun. Thanks so much uh for joining us. We'll talk to you again real soon.
1: Always my pleasure, man. Go Pack Go. <laughs>
0: As always, I want to thank our good friend Evan Western for joining us to help preview the 2022 Packers. And, of course, uh, we see them early, week number two, for our legally mandated Sunday night football appearance at Lambeau Field. So, uh, you know, we're playing at Lambeau, so not only does it uh, have to be prime time, but, uh, you know, it's uh, maybe one of these days, you know, except for the – special exception that we made in 2019 where, uh, you know, we only get to, to, to do the one night to the one prime time thing, and we did it in Chicago to open the season, and maybe one of these days we'll be able to flip it back to that where uh, Soldier Field is the prime location and not uh, Lambeau. But uh, anyway, so it won't be long before we get a chance to talk to Evan again as we preview week number two when we head out to Lambeau for Sunday night uh, football but uh, then it'll be a while before we see him again, week 13, which will be our last game before the bye, since we have that late week 14 bye uh, this season. So um, there you have it, guys. For, uh, for all of our opponent previews, that's all of them. Everybody that we face, uh, we are all done. And, and now the only show that we have left uh, before we can complete the cycle, if you will, is, uh, as I said at the top of the show, to look inward to look at ourselves and our beloved Chicago Bears. And of course, who else would join me for that episode but our good friend from Locked On Bears, Lauren Cox. So come back on Thursday when Lauren and I will look in-depth at our beloved Chicago Bears and you know we'll, we'll go through 2021 we'll talk about the 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 search and, and Ryan Poles and uh Matt Eberflus and and the 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 kind of underwhelming offseason that we had with free agency uh and such but also what we got out of it we'll talk about the draft we'll look forward to the schedule we'll cover every single inch of it then we possibly can and then this Saturday rookies report to training camp and then Monday the, uh, the veterans come in and it won't be long until August 13th is here when the Bears kick things off at noon on Saturday August 13th take on the Chiefs and kick off the preseason and then we're pretty much off to the races uh, after that I am very excited it is getting closer and closer uh, all the time so come back on Thursday for the finale as we preview the 2022 Chicago Bears with our good friend Lauren Cox and until then My name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground.
1: Let's jump into Pepper's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt
0: for muddy puddles. (laughs) And bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.